When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Pod Yourself a Gun, a Sopranos podcast uh, where Vince and I go through every single episode of The Sopranos and talk about it. It is something that has never been done before except... For it seems like every former cast member of The Sopranos is now doing <laughs> a podcast about The Sopranos, which is fine because you know what? You go to that podcast to you know listen to a very serious conversation about uh, acting, to and you come to this podcast. Yeah, exactly. And you come here and this- to laugh. You clowns. come here for the for the lulls, dude. Uh-huh. You know, you come here for people who don't really understand TV criticism. Um, <laughs> before. Uh, before we uh, go forward, uh, I just want to uh, tell everyone who's listening right now, please go to uh, the podcast app uh, and rate us five stars and leave a review. That's something that we need you to do. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you've been you've been just leeching off us for free for all this time. And if, you, if you're not going to pay us in money, you got to pay <laughs> us in respect. <laughs> That's good. You, you made got- them an offer they can't refuse. Yeah, so, I mean, they can because I can't control them because we're uh, right now sheltering in place. Pretty refusable. But I would really like you to not refuse and give us five stars and a rating. Uh, You made them an offer that we really wish that you would not refuse. Yeah, we made you an offer that you can do what what you will with. (laughs) Uh, uh, Today, our guest uh, in the... uh, I would say studio, but once again, sheltering in place, is comedian from Los Angeles, Brandy Posey. You know her from the Lady to Lady podcast and from her album available now, Opinion Cave. How you doing, Brandy? Oh, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I was sitting outside of my driveway in a lawn chair for about 20 minutes today. So Nice. Trying to, you know, not a... <laughs> How? Get my vitamin D in. <laughs> yeah, no, you got to get some sun in these in these scary, scary times. How? Yeah. So you were in your driveway, or how far from the driveway? You were on the driveway. In my driveway. So I live in a I live in a mobile home uh, mm-hmm. in Eagle Rock. I live. In oh, a tra- nice. There's a, tra- there's a trailer park over here. Uh, oh hell so yeah. I'm just- embracing my full trailer parkness yeah just sitting, yeah. sitting in my driveway no that uh, is that is one peak thing, trailer park one thing i miss most about living in new york was in the summer when you when i'd come out of the building and then there'd just be like six or seven uh plastic lawn chairs just lined up next to the building because that's like in new oh, york yeah. you don't have a yard so you just bring your chair out to the sidewalk and you know experience the street life and i always love that but yeah, I mean, exactly. that, that sounds fun. It sounds nice. If I were to do that, I would just see all Scientologists because I live right next to <laughs> yeah. the giant Scientology building on top. lift your feet so they could sweep under you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just slip on a bunch of brochures about fake science. 
Um, well, no, well we're got trailer park drama going on instead. That's all. <laughs> that that also sounds like it could be fun. Uh, <laughs> it, it definitely can. It, it definitely can be. <laughs> so you uh, now this is uh, you are a Sopranos virgin. Is that right? Yeah, this was my first episode of this. Well, f f first that I've sat down and watched in full. I had a roommate when I first moved out here who was like very aggressively into the Sopranos and it turned me off from watching it. Mm -hmm. And then I, I'm also, I'm very averse to mob stuff in general. Sure. Um, I know that this is like the anti-mob mob thing, as people say. Yeah, um, in a way. It, it's like, yeah. yeah, it's about how um, ridiculous uh, the mafia is, especially at the time it was made. Like, you know, late 90s, early yeah. 2000s mafia being basically having the same salary as, uh, say, a teacher, but with less protection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly you gotta unionize these yeah. goombas we're gonna unionize on? the mafia uh <laughs> so um before we get into this episode it is time to play the theme song go ahead vince <laughs> Pod. Pod. <laughs> Podcast. Pod. 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 Podcast. Oh, yeah. What a... What a stupid intro. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, today, <laughs> today uh, we are talking about uh, from season two, episode seven, D-Girl. That is the name of the episode. And Vince, why don't you uh, tell us what the synopsis is? Oh, well, the mm -hmm. synopsis for this episode, I'm glad you asked me, Matt. Uh, with Anthony mm -hmm. Jr.'s confirmation approaching, Tony and Carmela find their son's growing apathy a cause for concern. Meanwhile, Christopher's interest in showbiz is reignited when he meets a well-known filmmaker through his cousin's girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is what the episode is about. And uh, so this episode came out February 27th, 2000, which means it's time for us to take a little trip into the Wayback Machine, where we say what was going on in America during the time of the premiere of this episode. That's right. We're going back exactly 20 years and one month and one day. Uh, and the headlines, top story in New York Post, uh, Ill Bin Laden doesn't mean good news for U.S. Uh, <laughs> oh, 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 boy. Hindsight. Who wrote, who wrote that article? Who wrote that article? <laughs> yeah, when did they know? And when did they know it? <laughs> yeah, seriously. This like, was actually Ill written... Bin Laden... This was actually by the written way, by The Rock. Uh, oh, was it? Yeah. Uh, Il Bin Laden, by the way, is a great name for like a rap group. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we should Lil, definitely... Lil Zarkawi. Il, Lil Bin, Zarkawi. Laden. Il Bin Laden. <laughs> Young KSM. Yeah, yeah. That's the one I was looking for. Sheikh, yeah, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Saudi master terrorist Osama bin Laden is believed to be seriously ill and may be delegating much of the work of his global terror net empire to subordinates, U.S. counterterrorism officials say. Well, it's oh, good to boy. know that he wasn't a micromanager. Yeah, no, yeah that is nice. Really let but, his, his underlings spread their wings and fly. Yeah, Honestly, Say what you will in, about him. He was a great mentor. Like He really let oh, his underlings... Oh, for sure. 
He was a fair and just CEO of a <laughs> great company. I mean, co-founder, I guess. Was he a co-founder? He was probably a founder. Yeah, that, um, we're, all, we're all you. We're all working in the cell model now. Uh, we, should, we, should, yeah. we should get credit for. for That's uh, true. We are idea. doing. We, yeah, we all looked at terrorists doing cells and said, "Like, mm, this could be <laughs> this could be a good way to do business." We're, Basically, <laughs> anyone who works for like a gig app is in the cell economy. Yeah, we're a sleeper cell <laughs> of podcasting right now. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Other headline from the post: Tech's appeal can't keep Nasdaq stocks up forever. Uh, mm. the, the almighty Nasdaq is beginning to falter. Hey, remember the Nasdaq? After months of leaving other major market averages wallowing in its wake, the technology-packed Nasdaq Composite Index lost the wind beneath its sails. Yeah, I, I low-key remember, uh, you know, the the dot-com bubble burst. Yeah, um, yeah, this fairly interesting. Dot-com sure. bubble one, the first one. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Where are they now? Probably ruining other people's <laughs> definitely definitely yeah. now, and, and you know what as we are recording this the economy is currently crashing so it's yeah. uh you know it's kind of fun to see another bubble burst except for yeah. this bubble is just like lives yeah. low lives <laughs> exactly. of people actual people well, at lives. least at least this like og bubble those people have like old uh uh what's what's the word um money uh compounds <laughs> oh yeah 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 definitely got some real outdated outdated compounds and shit now oh sure yeah they Hopefully. they'll be safe <laughs> yeah. uh the best-selling books uh, were the brethren by john grisham uh harry potter and the chamber of secrets harry potter and mm. the prisoner of uh azkaban 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 gap weird that you don't know how to pronounce that vince i gotta say you well, know <laughs> You never, you never heard the word Azkaban being pronounced. <laughs> it's a very popular book. That's like, whoa, easy. I mean, come on, J.K. Rowling. You can just say Ashkenazi. Like, we get what you're. That's true. There. That's true. Yeah. yeah. J.K. Rowling did a lot of like subtle jabs at Jews. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Weird. Like, some subtle, a... some not so subtle. Yeah. <laughs> weird that she's like a turf weirdo now. Uh, I mean, not weird. Yeah. Probably. That's true, yeah. right? I'm not just throwing stones. Oh, no, she is. Yeah, yeah she's a turf. So. All the weird. Yeah, she's awful. All the weird British people. You can't give British people money. Look what happens. You really can't. Yeah, <gasps> then really they can't. They, they start talking about Brexit and, you know, uh, trans-exclusionary radical feminism. It's, uh, yeah. it's a, it's a rough they, time. Or they uh, just you, molest a bunch of kids and then they just stay on the castle grounds. They forever. do do that. That's what happens when you give all rich people castles. <laughs> <It's>, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You just, there's, they, you know, they really never like remodel. Yeah, it goes to their yeah. head. They never remodel the dungeons. They need to put someone in there and it's usually children. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah. By the way, we're the only Sopranos rewatch podcast that talks about turfs, and uh, I think we deserve a medal for that. Sure. Uh, the top movies Absolutely. were The Whole Nine Yards still, Snow Day, uh, Reindeer Games. That was new. That was the debut of Reindeer Games. Ben Affleck, Charlie cool. Theron, uh, uh -huh. Hanging Up, Pitch Black, Tigger, and Wonder Boys, which was also new in theater. Um, mm-hmm. Song, top songs were Amazed by Lone Star. I don't even know what that is. I assume it's no idea. something no country-ish. Uh, I Knew I Loved You by Savage Garden and Breathe sure. by Faith Hill. 
All right. Well, now that we've taken our trip into the Wayback Machine, you know the context of when this episode took place. Do we feel so like you time... feel like you're there culturally? You're just like you know you got your, I'm right you got now, your big I'm... pants on and your big shirt got... on. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm listening to Savage Garden. You know, I'm watching Wall Street Week with Louis Rukeyser, and he's telling me all about you know how the Nasdaq is uh, is faltering. It's wearing, really I'm... wearing an oversized yeah. polo shirt for some reason. Mm-hmm. Neck, calling my best friend on my landline phone and telling him, like, have you seen the whole nine yards yet? It's <laughs> Matthew Perry's in it. Was yeah. he in it? I feel like it was I a Matthew Perry like, movie. Maybe. I don't know. Two th- I, 2000 is a very Matthew Perry year. It, it feels, feels like, like a very Matthew sure. Perry time. It was like back when he could handle the Vicodin. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's... My belly button's pierced. That's where I'm at. This, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Pierced belly button. Hell yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this episode, D-Girl, um, yeah. you know, like you said, uh, Vince, you know, it's uh, kind of covers a few things, including uh, Anthony Jr.'s uh, confirmation and his mm-hmm. uh, descent into existential buffoonery. Uh, it covers uh, Big Pussy uh, being pressured uh, by the FBI to wear a wire. And it's... M- yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to oh, say, it's a hell of a thing to not know that there's a character named Uncle Pussy and then just have <laughs> yeah. an Uncle Pussy just dropped oh, on you. Big, that's big a lot. Pussy. He is, big pussy. He's not just an uncle. He is a big pussy. Well, that's because uh, <laughs> there are two pussies, right? Okay. So there's Big Pussy and there was uh, a character you never actually meet who I assume was Little Pussy who is named Pussy Malanga. And you never uh, see think. him. You just kind of hear about him in passing. There's a a lot Got of world it. building being done by well, uh, Junior has uh, bad dreams about Pussy Malenga, and then Tony eventually will have bad dreams about Big Pussy Bumpin' Sarah. So yeah, you know, but we, we, sure, we won't give anything whatever. away though. This Don't is a rewatch podcast. That. We give a lot of things away. Yeah, we give most of it away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just assume everyone dies eventually. Yeah, yeah that's 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 fair. It's been 20 years. Yeah. It's no longer a spoiler. That's true, but it's also, you know, it's like, it's prestige TV, and with prestige TV, you can pretty much rest assured that all your favorite characters are going to die. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. So but, I was thinking, so in terms of this episode, you know, it's got the sure. big uh, big guest spot with uh, mm-hmm. with John Favreau, uh, mm-hmm. and I was thinking, like, if this, pl- if this took place now... Would the guest spot be the other Jean Favreau from... Uh, oh, the- God. <laughs> from Pod, from Fucking kill me, <laughs> from dude. From the Save Network. <laughs> Just Chris Moltisanti got really into a liberal, <laughs> neoliberal podcast. He's really into the hashtag resistance and the... You're a part John, of the family. Love it or leave it. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Johns, uh, did you did you do it? Did you listen to my uh, to my podcast? And they're like, yeah, it's um. It's pretty good, I guess. <laughs> They're just trying yeah, to give yeah. them notes. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, for the most part, this episode, uh, the main storyline deals with uh, Chris Moltisante's um, mm-hmm. kind of burgeoning interest uh, into the world of Hollywood. Uh, and, you know, he's always been someone who uh, was obsessed with kind of more with the Hollywood uh, gangster than, than what mm-hmm. the reality of gangsterism is. He's- uh, he's he's yeah. imagining the life that he could have had if he had not gone into the mafia. Meanwhile, he is only interesting to the people in that world because of the world that he did go into. Right, exactly. So it's it's almost like he he sees himself as like someday being a Marty Scorsese uh, or maybe a Robert De Niro. Uh, Marty, but... <laughs> come dude, I like it. 
I lo- I liked it. Yeah, that's one of my favorite lines. Um, but yeah, uh, this so this episode, uh, you you meet uh, you meet Chris's uh, cousin Gregory. Cousin yeah, and uh, for like a second and a half. Yeah, for for a very short period of time, and mostly you meet his fiance Amy Safir, who is a uh, a, a movie executive who I feel like. Uh, this is like one of those episodes that is kind of shows the most disdain for Hollywood that I think I've (laughs) ever seen in, in TV. It's like, it's, it's so funny because the, the amount of the way that Amy's character is written is that she's basically like every, if you're in Hollywood, you've met many, many Amy Saphirs, people who got into the position of telling you whether or not your uh, script is good or whether (laughs) or not, you know, uh, you know what you're doing creatively, who have uh, not a single creative bone in their body. And mostly their entire job consists of schmoozing with people and then considering that schmoozing being uh, a friend. Right. You know, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, like, she's a lower level Harvey Weinstein is like what she's doing here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> In fact, and just she... the, sorry, just her accent, like just the way that she talks, like the way yeah. that she enunciates and it's just like, you know when you get three words out of someone's mouth and and just you're hit with the wave of pretentiousness and oh, uh, yeah. and it's just like it comes oh, through yeah. like in every syllable and I thought they did like such a good job uh with that and I have I have like her her her, her intro like her like the when we very first meet Amy. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. How's your broccoli? Adriana, this is my cousin Gregory at the ambulance chase. Hi. Nice to meet you. This is my fiance Amy Sophia. Pleasure, Christopher, to finally meet you in person. Greg's always giving me updates on his New York cousin. With New Jersey. My apologies. That's the red eye talking. Your earrings are so excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this must have been such a fun part to play. Like, she's clearly channeling some real fuck you towards a few people. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. She she embodies this part so well that there's yeah. no way that she hasn't dealt with this exact character multiple times. Your earrings are times. so excellent. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Fucks up something about someone personally. You know, their networking game is a little off and just, like, pivot quickly to, like, I love your dress. Like, it's a, yeah. it's it's very smart. It's a good way. It's a good way to pretend like you like someone. Um, yeah. Look how authentic you are. Like, what <laughs> Yeah. That was, like, the Sorry. big theme in this is, like, so, Amy, mm-hmm. God, I just feel like I know this character and I've met her so many times and I can't stand her. They're just, Same. Like, the constant name dropping... The way that she mm-hmm. always dr- leaves the last name off of whatever famous person that she's name dropping, like for added uh, name dropping credits. And then just yeah. like yeah. the desperate, uh, th- like she's she's gone into a fake industry and so she like craves any authentic experience. And mm-hmm. oh, yeah, God, that just, yeah. it really. Yeah, the, the way that uh, Chris is treated in this episode, uh, he spends the first half not knowing he's being used by uh by hollywood uh both you know used for his stories and then also being used uh you know physically by amy at some point you know Mm -hmm. it's like it's interesting because they you know they really do look at him as kind of like uh you know a caged beast where they're (laughs) they just want to they want to you know uh interview him and just like find out more about this specimen 
this you know new jersey mafia trash and like uh, what i what i love about it and one of my absolute favorite scenes is them trying to get a cool mob story and oh, getting yeah. what ends up being just a horrific story while while chris stuffs his face with pizza right. uh, yeah. uh i had that uh that clip uh it's uh chris's horrifying story this made guy right got the most discriminating eye when it comes to tna he's at a club one night this broad's all over him and she's got a really nice body she's horny as hell so they step outside they walk over to this picnic ground she starts blowing him next to this swing set right he's about to shoot his load he reaches down you know and starts fingering undoes the skirt reaches in grabs hold of a goddamn prick. So my friend, right, he can't let this story get out, and he wants to humiliate the freak as much as he was humiliated. So he gets this fucking acid, you know? Burns everything. He pours it on her arms, on her face, everywhere. Her prick. That's one bad motherfucker. But that's how good-looking this broad used to look. Had this wise guy friend of mine totally fooled. She had to get a glass eye. Jesus, <laughs> like how to get a glass eye? The fact, the fact that uh, Fleetwood Mac is playing through that uh, entire oh, story yeah. is also like an underrated part of it. But I think one of the things I think this is one of the, if not the funniest, uh, Sopranos episode because yes. a lot of times in the Sopranos it gets like a little sitcommy where they like say a line and they're like waiting for an audience reaction or something. Like it's kind of sure like they ham it up a little bit. And in this one, yeah. like the jokes are so fast. And like, it's, and this story, like it ends on a, such a good punchline. You're like horrified by the story. And then he's like, she had to get a glass eye, which is just like the yeah. perfect <laughs> button to that scene. Yeah. It's, it's, it doesn't just end with, she had to get a glass eye. It ends with him then stuffing an entire Monster. slice of pizza <laughs> into, right into his fucking mouth. Right into his mouth. And it's just like, it's just so clear that. The expectation for Amy and John Favreau in that scene is like, oh, we're gonna get some like deep inside, you know, mafia dirt. And then the reality of it is like, uh, his this dude he knew once uh, tried to finger bang a trans woman and then uh, decided to do a hate crime. Yeah. Like that's the entire story, and that's they're just the like, yeah. fuck. <laughs> That's it's like that's the, the 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 realities of the mafia, and then what these like Hollywood pricks think the mafia is 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 insanely funny. Um, in terms of like the, I have to say, John Favreau. Uh, I okay, so I'm not a fan of most of his movies. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> neither but is he's Chris. So, apparently, yeah, Chris d just continues to shit on John Favreau the entire it's time. Pretty and it's pretty great. It's pretty great. He just keeps telling him why Swingers was bad. <laughs> do I want to play? I can play those clips now. Oh, please, please yeah, do. Yeah, please so do it. Both. That's the one beef I have with Swingers. You guys patting yourselves after Frank and Dean, but there was like a pussy-assness to it. <laughs> the pussy-assness to it. I mean, you know, it's like... So you brought us your script. <laughs> <is> so <laughs> like, hey, no disrespect, but you guys are kind of like half a fag or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah right. It's like, yeah, it's like uh, you were pussies. Kind of like kind of pussy ass. 
And it's funny because like that, this is one of the reasons Sopranos is such a funny show is because it yeah. works on this level of like, it, and, and at this point it's starting to understand, I think it's, it's becoming self-aware. It knows why it's good. Right. And, uh, and, and one of the reasons it's good uh, in general is like, it's a show that you can love uh, if mm. you're a John Favreau or if you're a Chris Moltisante, if you're like a meathead who just likes violence and stuff, you could love this show. But if you're someone who's got like, you know, discerning taste and gets kind of like the meta jokes, you also love it. It's it's uh, it's kind of perfect. Um, it's like a Pixar movie, except with violence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's something exactly for right. Everyone. Here's <laughs> some for everyone. Um, here's the other yeah. uh, here's the uh, his other swingers comment. Oh, yeah. Do from it later in the okay. episode. I figured out, as far as movies go, I want to be a player, not an actor. Yeah. Smart, man. It's like like Bugsy. Hey, you know, that was another thing that kind of blew about swingers. <laughs> what, the acting? Oh, you know, it was good fucking acting. <laughs> Hanks. Private Ryan. <laughs> uh, it's kind of unfair to compare the two, you know? It's like one's about young soldiers dying on the beach at Normandy. The other one's about young guys looking for blowjobs in Vegas. Yeah, well, you made the movie. <laughs> which is a fair thing it's like yeah well you know you could have made a different movie yeah you should have made private ryan yeah <laughs> yeah that's what you but, picked man <laughs> but i like john favreau this made me love john favreau yeah he really lets yeah, it go with making sure. fun of himself yeah it is so good and like two of my favorite scenes uh that uh happen i think during the time of this clip when he's basically saying you should have done saving private ryan is uh, one is when he uh, wants to ask Chris whether or not he murdered someone, uh, uh, whether or not he's ever murdered someone. And he just like he pussies out in the middle of the question. Mm-hmm. And then Chris yeah. kind of just like it, he tries to goad him into asking. And uh, I have a clip of that uh, for it's yeah. called uh, Did I Ever What? Come on, Rocky. Come on, Rocky. Come on. <laughs> ask me. Can I, did I what? Did I watch? Have I ever watched? Wow! Well, come on, your money! Come on, your money! Fuck! Here we go, your money! Did I ever watch? Stop! Did I ever watch? Money? What? It's not cool, man. I guess I got, I got like dialogue tomorrow. So my voice gets all scratchy. It's not cool. <laughs> I look, while he's beating him up, he just keeps calling him your money. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which is from swingers. He's like, "Come on, your money! Come." On. <laughs> it's just like once again he's shitting on him for like the this movie that made him a star um, Bit of a weird trivia from have you ever you guys ever seen that rocky marciano movie no never mm-hmm. i can't i can't even find it like on any streaming platforms anywhere like i don't know what but happened is it, to that movie is it a real movie where yeah he, it's a real movie jo- john favreau cast himself to play rocky marciano is that what happened No, he didn't direct it oh okay okay oh, he's just in it yeah i see he, but it's just what, was he did he set out to be an actor first or was he like always kind of like a directory whatever i don't really that, know much about him i don't know anything about him uh i i yeah i have no idea uh I, was well, I he, think he acting? wrote uh, i mean i think he just wrote uh swingers so swingers. he could i think him and vince vaughn Va- basically like vince made vaughn. uh swingers so that they could uh you know have something to be in like uh, what do you call it yeah uh, like goodwill they, hunting style yeah, they must not be friends anymore, I'm assuming, right? Otherwise, Vince would have popped up in some Marvel bullshit. Yeah, you'd figure. But then again, yeah. you wonder how much control any of these Marvel directors actually have, you know? Like, yeah. they, I mean, maybe. Then I mean, Taiko Waititi is able to, like, you know, do what he wants. Yeah. So who knows? But uh, yeah. 
yeah, there's uh, there's this. Uh, John Favreau is like one of those guys who like I don't think he's like a poor director at all. Actually, you know, I I, I think you know he does what he does, but he's like one of those kind of very '90s people who uh yeah. well, kind of he started was but now he's like i feel like he has made the transition better than just about like he's kind of turned oh, no. into he's... a guy who just gets big paychecks for directing no but uh, of course but in terms of uh our segment it's the 90s uh <laughs> do you have the bumper for that by the way it's the 90s parents are supposed to discuss sex with their children it's the 90s it's, it's the 90s Nineties. 90s Hell yeah! So, <laughs> so, so, just in terms of uh, all of the different '90s things, I thought like the main thing to me was the role of John Favreau in this. In that, like, if you think about Swingers, Swingers uh, is maybe one of the most '90s movies ever made. Specifically, like that, like uh, mid to late '90s when uh, when swing dancing made a like a year, two year long comeback. Right? Yeah. This is and also when, as a ska fan, where people started uh, erroneously mixing ska yes. and swing and thinking it was the same thing. So I've always, yes. I, I've actually never seen Swingers, kind of because of that reason. Oh <laughs> well, there yeah, there isn't actually that much swing in Swingers. Is the ironic thing? No, like, I don't think you actually hear much swing music at all. It's uh, yeah, there's no. a lot of billowy shirts though. Sure, yeah, yeah. A lot of <laughs> long chains and. Uh, yeah. I remember yeah, I had it's... I had a shirt that looked like a bowling shirt, and it was like black and white, and it had a martini glass on the uh, on the. Oh chest. hell yeah. So, yeah! That was a very yeah. uh, 1998 yeah. shirt. I just kept progressively getting longer chains for my wallet. Uh, it yeah. was like th- that was the way Same. I expressed my my swing self uh, back in like 1998, and uh, th- there came a point where the chain got so long I got in trouble at school because uh-huh. it was technically <laughs> considered a weapon, and I was like, oh, I never thought about that. Um, so yeah, yeah. rather than yeah, I and there I took some swing classes. I'm not gonna lie, you know, everyone. Oh yeah, of course. Everyone oh, in was town, in the swing. In my town, there was a family that had like a swing night for like jun- people in junior high, where we would like go and swing dance. But uh, they were like very Christian, and like if you weren't Christian, you couldn't go to the swing dancing. House. Chris- so what does Christian swing dancing look like? Because swing dancing itself, uh, you know, I guess. Close. Yeah, I guess if you're, yeah, it, that's the thing is you're like, there's no room for Jesus in a lot of, there's a, uh, a lot, lot of swing dancing. Like religious youth outreach that has to do with like getting, uh, like kids to like fuck each other under the guise of Christ. That's true. Yeah. If you fuck for true. Jesus and you procreate for Jesus, then you can get as close as you want. Right. But so yeah. even it's aside, a fun loophole, even not only in terms of like the content of swingers, but just the fact that swingers exist is also a nineties anachronism because like right now, you could not make like a you could not be a nobody and cast your nobody friend and like make a movie about going out and trying to get laid and then have it get bought by like the Weinstein brothers and then suddenly yeah, it's become crazy. like an indie mm-hmm. darling. Like that doesn't like that was a thing that, you know, sort of Tarantino started and then there was like, you know, there yeah. were swingers and there was uh, uh, Troy Duffy, the fail, the boondocks, the boondock saints was like where it like probably started to go wrong. And then <laughs> yeah, like now yeah, yeah. that kind of independent film doesn't really exist. Like now you go to Sundance and the movies have, you know, like fucking Ian McKellen in them and shit because. Right. All the independent films are basically uh, they're made by studios who have a wing that just says independent in it, you know. Yeah. So you're not you're not really getting like 
true indie films anymore but yeah this was it was a very uh, 90s concept and the fact that it's about like swingers it's called swinger it's like yeah it's uh it is very much of its time and it's perfect for like christopher to have to have that be the guy that christopher meets because like Christopher could have could be Troy Duffy if he plays his cards right. Like he could write, yeah. yeah. Like you could see For him sure. writing uh, Boondock Saints. But uh, if you think about it, Boondock Saints is definitely uh, like to me. It's one of my least favorite movies of all time. It's one of the stupidest fucking. Movies. It's yes. <laughs> it's so fucking bad. It's, it's it's aged harder than Garden State. They occupy a similar. <laughs> A similar place to me where I'm like, the first time you saw it, you just were like, yeah, right? Yeah, totally, then- <laughs> totally. Garden State, I, I was will, like, man. I will oh, defend yeah. Garden State, whereas Boondock Saints, <laughs> I never fucking liked that movie, even when I was a stoned college student. Well, that I first saw it as a stoned college student, and everyone told me, like, it's great. And, uh, and as I was watching it, I was like, it had those moments, those, like, Tarantino-esque moments where you were just like, oh, I Is remember this, this scene very specifically you know it's like little sequences Mm -hmm. that you remember and then maybe a year later i tried watching it again and i was just like whoa 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 everyone stop this movie is bad and people were like what what how do you mean i mean like the subtext of all (laughs) the killing is like like you can tell that very much uh the whole thing is some guy who just thought the killing looked cool and that's the theme of the entire movie Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like it is definitely it's written by essentially Chris Moltisante. And <laughs> like like the uh, what's wonderful about this particular episode is watching Chris getting network or get, getting studio notes for his yeah. script from yeah. people who are too afraid to <laughs> tell him yeah. that, that he's bad. <laughs> Um, and trying to get through with him. And I have a clip from that. It's uh, Favreau analyzes script. Yeah, I know Frankie. He's my fucking leading man. He's, um, he's kind of, kind of like a, a contradictory character. In, in a good way, you know, like complex. You think he should wear those taps on his shoes? Yeah, I see that. That's the question I was going to ask you. They sound cool. They're his trademark. But in the hit against Rocco, somebody's going to hear him walking on the roof. Right? Yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> but you know, what I was thinking was, it's uh, in this script, in in, in all scripts, really, uh, just <laughs> it begs to, to to show more of the author in it. Your life, your vision. The roof is soft tar. <laughs> 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 The roof is soft tar. (laughs) He's just like you imagine Chris Moltisanti is like the type of person who like like in modern times, like right now, he would be downloading all of the master or he would be he would be uh, illegally streaming and torrenting all of Masterclass. You know, yeah, like, yeah. like he would be, he'd be getting everything from like Marty Scorsese to Neil Gaiman and all like the dude, the dude definitely, and, and not doing anything with it, like watching it and trying to parse it, but never, but then just being like nine hours in and going, the roof is soft. Ah, like the dude is, he's too dumb for Hollywood, which makes him almost perfect for it. So it's almost a shame that, uh, you know, that he just. He didn't follow his dream. Um, yeah, he could have had like a mafia TikTok going. Yeah. Great. 
There are there yeah. mafios. There's probably a mafia TikTok going on. I mean, on Stevie that we B. Don't is probably I hope so. TikToks at this point. I hope Stevie B is making. Oh, that would be so <laughs> sick. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, Information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So, like, I wanted to go back to my favorite scene uh, in this episode. And it's on the same theme of, like, this, the jokes in this just being sort of faster and subtler in a way that, Mm -hmm. like, other, uh, like, other parts of The Sopranos, uh, the lines are structured in a way that I go, oh, that's clever, but doesn't necessarily make me laugh out loud. Whereas this one had, like, a few genuine laugh out loud moments. And and my favorite one was uh, when, Christopher is on the set for the first time and he's, oh, just, yes. he's just meeting uh, Favreau for the first time and he's describing and he's telling Christopher about uh, the movie they're shooting on that day. So I got that. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Uh, Michelle Foreman, our, uh, our director, she's from Jersey. You see her first picture? She's a director. Beautiful film. The one- so, that, so the part you can't see in that is when he goes, she's the director, and it cuts to her, and she's like squatting, telling the other actors uh, what to do in the scene, and her thong is just like halfway out. Oh, of yeah, the, yeah, like, yeah. Out of Fully out. It's so great. And then uh, and then here's the rest of it. Won the uh, audience award at Sundance. Not on. It was also hilariously funny, this lesbian romantic screwball comedy she did. This one's much more mainstream. It's about spies. So anyway... god it's so la it it really is and they nail the voice down so perfectly in terms of just like it's this uh hilariously funny lesbian uh screwball comedy which is like a genre you don't you don't hear much about anymore there's not enough (laughs) screwball comedies around 
I you, miss the days of the screwball comedy. The more that you have I to describe screwball yeah, comedy. The more yeah. that you have to characterize what genre a movie is, the worse that movie generally is. Like like Oh yeah. I remember when the, that one Guillermo del Toro movie came out and all of the press was like, "No, see, it's a gothic romance. Like you just don't Ugh. understand. It's, it's a gothic romance. And it's like okay, well, if you have to t- same thing with Jojo Rabbit, where it's like they they tell you it's a satire like seventeen hundred times, and it's like yeah, maybe, they keep having to. Maybe yeah. if you have to tell me what genre it is, it might not be successful at what genre it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, it, what's great is in this scene um, that you just played, they uh, you know they're shooting a movie. And uh, in terms of like celebrity cameos, uh, like this is such an amazing episode for celebrity cameos, because I I would say that for the most part, you know, uh, well, number one, Soprano doesn't really uh, Sopranos doesn't have many celebrity cameos in general. And in general, Mm -hmm. I fucking hate celebrity cameos in shows. Um, But they well, it seems like Judd Apatow saw this episode and like based half of his career on it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, but what I love is, uh, and I have a snippet of it. Um, it is, uh, the, just the scene between Sandra Bernhardt and, uh, Janine Garofalo, the she, the scene that they, uh, that they're shooting. Um, and it's, uh, it's called Sandra and Janine's terrible movie. Action. I never had an egg cream. They're not coming for either one of us. You live your whole life in a place and never taste the thing that it's famous for. Couldn't hear the fucking shots of this thing. There's a place on St. Mark's. Sober, you bitch. Don't do it. Like, like, writing a fake bad movie is not actually easy. It's like, (laughs) it takes, it takes a lot of comedic timing. Like, you really have to have a sense for, for what's funny. Opening the scene, action! I never had an egg cream. Like <laughs> that's so fucking yeah, brilliantly really... funny. Like and, this is. And, this... and Amy said at one point that the silencers were a metaphor for uh, how their concerns are muffled by society. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> now that's that lesbian screwball comedy coming through. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that is right. <laughs> But yeah, that uh, that is definitely um, this scene in general is just one of the funniest scenes. Like you said, Vince, it's like packed with jokes. It's just like constantly funny. There's no, you know, there's no mugging to the audience or anything like that. It is really for uh, it, it kind of like set the tone for what uh, I mean, uh, maybe this is a big claim, but it set the tone for what like a multicam sitcom would would turn into especially like a, a hbo you know type of sitcom you know one mm. where it's like they're not they're not like leaving a bunch of space for laughs right. or anything yeah. like single that cam, it's just like mean. oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Single, single cam, cam yeah. uh mm-hmm. yeah it, it it's it set the tone for you know things like veep things like basically anything i mean and obviously i Larry just get Sandy's the sense like first, that but. entire scene i just get the sense that everyone on set like that was their favorite thing to shoot yeah 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 yeah. for sure definitely would uh brandy did you have uh any specific favorite or like least favorite scene uh in in this episode um uh did did i that's i mean i liked all this stuff with chris and favreau that that's definitely my favorite storyline yeah yeah uh the 
I, I don't care about the guy having to wear a wire because I don't know who he is. It was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even even if you do know who he is, it is yeah. kind of interesting that like the the Chris storyline is so strong that yeah. all of the stuff with Big Pussy and the wire, um, like you, if in any other episode, this would be a major plot point that you would be like glued to. Like, fuck, what is he gonna do? How is he gonna yeah. fuck this up? But Seems in like this, a big deal. <laughs> yeah, because it, 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 it is a big deal in the arc of the story and in, in uh, Big Pussy's arc in general. But you just this is such a strong story from like mm -hmm. uh, Chris and Amy and John that you're like you, you're, you're not actually all that interested. Like right. well, I did. A, I, yeah, I would say the same yeah. thing about AJ getting into Nietzsche like that in a different episode. I would be super into that plot line. And then in this episode, like Christopher getting butting up with John Favreau feels like so perfect for that character that yeah. AJ yeah. getting into Nietzsche is kind of just like. Eh, like it pales a little in comparison. You're kind of like, I guess I, mean, I could see that. Okay, I I agree with you, but I will say that there was uh there was a lot more juice in that berry uh in terms of like plot in terms of like a, a like a character study uh -huh. than than there was with uh Big Pussy's uh you know entire oh yeah uh, for sure yeah for sure. Uh, because like you are getting an insight first of all into so let's 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 get into aj's storyline uh, aj is uh opens the episode um accidentally uh scuffing uh his mother's car and then when they uh, his you know carmela and tony confront him um he reveals himself to be you know basically becoming like an existential buffoon like the dude is yeah. now clearly getting into existentialism and his parents have no idea why and uh i have a i have a little bit of uh of a clip from that uh it's uh, aj questions one you could have killed those girls now that would have been interesting what what did you just say death just shows the ultimate absurdity of life what is this? Are you trying to get me to lose my temper because I'm about to put you through that goddamn window? See? That's what I mean. Life is absurd. Don't say that! God forgive you! <laughs> there is no God. Hey! Do you ever think like... <laughs> Just a... <laughs> like... First of hey. all, the in unison, hey, yeah. after he says yeah. there is no God. Very, is like, like, I, very vaudeville and it totally works. It worked perfectly, oh, yeah. and I want that as that should be my ringtone. Like it just, hey. I just want that over and over again. It's there it is was, no god. Hey, there is, there no, is god. no god. Hey. hey, there is no god. Hey, uh, yeah. It just, yeah. To me, I thought that this was a great intro, and you know, for anyone who has seen The Sopranos all the way through, you kind of see um, AJ's like burgeoning nihilism in this episode, and and mm -hmm. kind of like where where it starts to you know where it comes from like you see kind of the the origins a little bit and um i would say like this is like the broad comedy storyline and then christopher getting into show business is like the more like incisive uh satirical comedy uh, that's storyline hmm. that's true Just that's true this one, but this one is a lot of setup punchline i have a like when tony is in the uh when he's talking about aj to melfi i have that clip too so, oh, yeah, go ahead. Just like the call and response type of jokes they're doing with this storyline. Cool. So he's sitting there, he asked me, if there's no God, 
Why was I born? He tells me he's got no purpose. And how'd you answer him? I told him it cost about 150 grand to bring him up so far, so if he's got no purpose, I want a fucking refund. Which, you know, good line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of those. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> it, it, you're right. It is definitely uh, kind of the more broad comedy of it. And there's, you know, but there's also good parts like when uh, Melfi says, uh, it looks like your son has stumbled uh, onto existentialism. And Tony just goes, fucking internet. Which is, that's that's a great line. I mean, it's definitely a little bit like, yeah, set up punch for sure. Because uh, like, part of me wants to think that AJ is not smart enough to get into this. But then another part of me enjoys the idea of someone dumb, uh, you know, reading one philosophy book and it ruining their lives. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he... I think the reason that I like this so much is because uh, AJ does remind me of myself in in this exact time period. Well, he's with the like basically chain especially with the wallet chain, with like the music choices, with the fucking like you know the new metal posters on his fucking wall. Like the dude was me, and I think we were like the same age. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like me and the actor was it Robert Eiler? Yeah, uh, we're. I, I imagine we're the same age. So like the character that he's playing is so I just relate to so much, just like sitting there being like, there's no God. And just like thinking, fuck, I'm deep. Like <laughs> I'm probably the first person who ever thought like that. Maybe there's no point to like living and stuff. Like he, <laughs> he, def there's something about him that like the only difference is, is, is that like, he never gets into uh he never has like a total goth phase which i think is <laughs> is is it's almost like you got to give the show credit for not making him goth cuz they yeah. th they absolutely you know could have easily decided to make him you know kind of like like that that would be them going to like a sitcom character yeah. if he was like painting his nails yeah, he's black a little, he's a little too meathead for that which is just he's right. too meathead to be goth he's yeah. kind of just like i don't know he's like the every seventh grader you know uh -huh. mm -hmm. yeah it's, he's just like a black-pilled little kid he's a he's a black-pilled <laughs> little kid <laughs> yeah <laughs> no it's true and it's like that that yeah. is something that i relate to uh especially mm -hmm. and it's one of the reasons that uh i really appreciated this entire storyline there's also the fact that like they don't just make it for the sake of broad comedy they also show um the soprano mindset a little bit in the family and and i thought it was the greatest scene in this entire uh story was um when aj goes to visit his grandmother livia and she just you you see that like being a nihilist kind of runs in the family so i have a clip from yeah. that See, that's what I mean. What's the purpose? Of what? Being here on our planet. Earth. Those kids were dead meat. What's the use? What's the purpose? Why does everything have to have a purpose? The world is a jungle. <laughs> and if you want my advice, Anthony, don't expect happiness. You won't get it. People let you down. And I'm not naming any names. But in the end, you die in your own arms. You mean alone? It's all a big nothing. What makes you think you're so special? That is like 
Th- number one, that is peak fucking Livia Soprano. Uh, not just in terms of her nihilism, but also the fact that she has now made this child's existential conflict and crisis into being about herself. She totally, <laughs> yeah. she, 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 she's such a narcissist and it like being a narcissist and a nihilist is like, it just makes the character so rich and funny. I, I just, but I think I, it, like, I think that is how you setup, cure, uh, that's how you cure an existential uh, existentialist is you just tell them to get over themselves. Right, exactly. Get over yourself. Mm-hmm. You're nothing. You'll never be anything. No one is anything. You die alone. Like it is yeah. that that to me, that's how that is uh, how you make an existentialist enlightened. You enlighten them. You completely black pill them. And then, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, they, they either get into finance or they do suicides. It's like it's. Yeah, you're just a skeleton running on borrowed time, baby. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And like. The fact that Livia was just like, and I'm not naming any names. Like, <laughs> clearly talking about Tony. Oh, My fucking, fucking son. There's so just good. like, I think about a lot like, you know, because the actress who played uh, Livia Soprano ends up uh, dying, you know, in, in, in real life. And then, you know, so she's gone by season three. Spoiler yeah. alert. Uh, and gotcha. And I just kind of like, Oh man, it it bums me out so much because it's such a great character. It's like one of the greatest television characters of all time, and you don't you yeah. don't even get to see it kind of play all the way through. It's a bummer. Ugh. It's a yeah, bummer, a dude. Bummer. It's a bummer. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so um, I think you uh, some general thoughts that you had, uh, uh, Vince. You said you think that this episode should have been called Bukyak. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because it's uh, oh, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah, because I think that's what he he calls her a D girl, but really he wants to call her a cunt. And also, like, just the deadpan <laughs> where they're like, "Ooh, bukiak, what's that mean, cunt?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was, I, I actually have that clip, and I realized, like, you know, one of our favorite, um, one of one of our favorite segments on this show is uh, Gabo Vafangul, where we, uh, you know, find some Italian American slang, and then usually. Uh, there is uh, a Stevie B video of him kind of explaining it. Of course, he doesn't do a lot of the the swears like the bukak. Uh, yeah, yeah. Stevie B is a wholesome bukak. guy at heart. He, yeah, he doesn't do you know fanuk yeah, yeah. or any of that. So, um, luckily for us, um, you know, Chris Moltisante actually uh, did his very own Stevie Stevie B video. So uh, I have that uh, bukak yeah. is the name of the clip. That's a cat. Are we really gonna say bitch? You don't like bitch? We discussed this. We're losing light. Well, I mean, is there anything other than bitch? Bukyak. What? Let that one call that one Bukyak. That sounds more interesting. Uh, Buk... What? Bukyak. If she's from Brooklyn... That sounds okay. Okay, let's roll. What does it mean? Cunt. Just the timing on that. It's perfect. And like also Janine Garofalo's face when he like translates it, like, God damn it. Like she like she didn't want to like yeah, it's like let's not use the word bitch, it just feels boring. And then so they just use the Italian slang for cunt. This is so exotic. They the Italians, they must have like this high minded uh you know like what is this they're expecting like some long fucking uh Sun Tzu S translation of this term? He's like, Oh no, it means cunt. 
And and yeah, yeah. what's great about it is like there's such a great setup uh, for the next time that he uses it. Uh, <laughs> so that's in the clip, Bukyak uh, again. Can I see your production pass? I've been on the set before. I still need to see your pass. I know John. Look, sir, this is a closed set. No visitors, no press, no friends of John. Hey, hey, Bukyak. Hi. Where's John? Oh, he left this morning for LA. A fucking cocksucking metaphanook. What does that mean? You got more stuff like that I can use? I just. That's like, like Janine Garofalo is so fucking funny. Just in yeah. that one syllable. It's like, hey, Bukyak. Hi. Like, <laughs> her timing is so fucking perfect. Oh my God. And then. And it also, you know, it does a great job of, like, basically she's like, oh, yeah, do you have more stuff I can use? Like, the amount that Chris is being fucked over by Hollywood, them just, like, you know, parasitically draining him of his, like, street mafioso culture. And, like, it's there's zero shame behind it. They're, they're just like, no. yeah, no, no, we need more. We need more. Yeah. You know, we got no, we got to make more of this. The way that, you, that, that uh, you know, make-believe has to cannibalize authentic experience, like, that really, it hit really close to home um, in this episode mm -hmm. because, like, I remember when I was in grad school and, you know, you're, like, you're just in this petri dish of people that are like focusing on uh, writing about themselves mostly, and uh, mm -hmm. and meanwhile, you know, we're, we're like doing this most of the day, and our authentic our authentic experiences like consist of like reading other people's stories about themselves and then trying to come right. up with our own. And I remember uh, yeah. some girl in my writing workshop, her like apartment burned down, and uh, I feel like at one point, and everybody was like. Hey, yeah, but now you got something to write about. <laughs> like, oh, I think I even said it too. It was just like, it was just like, you know, everybody's just like desperate. It's like, oh, wow. Did you hear like so-and-so had an authentic experience? Oh, yeah, man. Someone had I'm a, so jealous. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, mean, I wish I could like, have an authentic yeah. experience. That's like everybody coming out of the pandemic being like, well, the material is going to be crazy. And I'm like, yeah, I'd exactly. prefer to not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's going to be the it's, same it's, as it's, everybody else's fucking material, too. It's the same impulse that leads led people to be like uh, when Trump got elected. Hey, yeah. at least like art's going to be good. And That's art has never rainbow. been worse. <laughs> no, it's, the, yeah. it's the worst art of our lifetimes. <laughs> yeah, it's the worst art of our life. It's just this like yeah. bland, like toothless a uh, political monoculture in which we all just mm -hmm. keep going like, you know, oh man, president bad, huh? And it's like, yeah, but we can't all What if I just sing how what if I just sing hallelujah? Yeah, right. But like exactly. not a joke. It's just uh, we just sing song. Everybody We sad. just sing song. Yeah. You sad too? Yeah. I, I, I like I like <laughs> shitty screen screenplay character is now also a comedy writer. He's just like, okay, what if we do SNL sketch where um every every famous person is different congressman and they all act like them but more. And then we make the money. <laughs> Anyways, uh so yeah, it uh it I mean, it also like reminds me of uh you know, stand-up comedy in general, just like I remember, you know, uh, when a friend of mine uh, got, uh, what was it, chlamydia. <laughs> and, and, yeah. uh, oh, Can't wait to talk about that shit. This is going to crush, yeah. bro. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, hey, you know what? The, your chlamydia material is going to fucking crush. Yeah. And, uh, you know, use I think it. most people use, at the end of the day. Use it in the scene. 
Yeah, like most people would yeah. rather not have chlamydia, but if you're uh, if you're in the arts the way we are, where you're just used to exploiting all of the terrible things that happen to you or others, you know, yeah. it's a uh, it's it's a there's always like a silver lining. Everything is content. Like seriously, <laughs> everything is content, especially in these deep dark times of quarantine. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what else we got uh the real gangster for this episode uh is i would say uh hollywood and friedrich nietzsche mm-hmm. niche yeah uh uh sorry niche excuse yeah. me and niche, that is also for niche, our please uh oh, <laughs> niche yeah, please that would have been a great episode. episode yeah yeah, yeah. good title good title yeah, yeah. Our, our our malapropism corner uh was niche that was that was one um and yeah, I think that pretty much covers the episode. I mean, in general, oh, you did it was have like, a good question. You had two good questions. I uh, did. That's yeah. right. Some questions. Um, one of them is, what did Chris say to that dude at the bar to make him and his entire crew <laughs> leave? And he, uh, that's never really. He never reveals what it was. It was the what same could as he? he- how known said. is he as like a mafia guy like i i i, I don't know in what he's context. he's like, not he he's definitely like... he's completely unknown there's no way okay. the guy would know he's mafia at, at most i think he could have said to him hey i'm part of tony soprano's crew and people kind of have heard of him but even that okay. is like uh a little bit of a stretch because like the, the new jersey families very specifically uh no one gives a shit about the like new york families yeah, yeah. you would know the names of but you wouldn't yeah, know yeah. the name of like the the boss of of New Jersey. I so think uh, I think he described what was in the trunk uh, in this. No, sorry. I think he described what was in the suitcase in Pulp Fiction, which was actually the same thing that Bill Murray whispers to Scarlett Johansson at the end of Lost in oh, Translation. That's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. It's uh, it's yeah. quite the MacGuffin. And, and I mean, if I were to theorize what he actually said to him. Because, like, the joke he says is that he was, you know, I was going to... He says to Amy, I was, I promised that you would give him a blowjob or something like that. And yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't think it was anything like that. I think he might have just went up to him um, and said, I have a bomb strapped to me and I will blow this place <laughs> sky sure. fucking high. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know? Well, it shows like, him his gun or some shit for sure. Yeah, maybe he's like, I have a gun, which is a weird thing yeah. to yell, <laughs> to like whisper in someone's ear. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, maybe he offered him money. Maybe he, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a real, he it's a real mystery. He couldn't refuse. Yeah, he, yeah. Yeah. Apparently, um, he threatened to suck his dick. He threatened to. He he's did. Pour, yeah. If I'm gonna pour leave... acid all over your dick and give you a glass eye. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> he just showed him a picture of that lady, that poor yeah, lady, and said, like, I'll, "I'll do this. <laughs> I will do this to you and your prick." Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a mystery that we're just gonna have to live with. Um, the uh, I had a question about this this other scene which is like this is obviously getting into the weeds but i i do love the scene where chris uh is late uh to dinner with uh carm and tony um Mm -hmm. and uh and yeah he is like freaking out uh over the fact that all they do is talk about food (laughs) and and it's like i can't tell if that's because he's on cocaine and he's not hungry or if it's because like the he thinks this is something that 
Hollywood people would find beneath them, always talking about food. Like, I'm not sure where he's coming from at that point in the scene. My assumption is that he's just like, you know, when I'm hanging out with Amy and John, all we do is talk about scripts. All we yeah. do is talk about the business. And I come here mm -hmm. and we're just talking about gabagool and baked ziti. It's like, I, I'm, I think that is where he's coming from, but I, I don't really know. That's that's the way I interpreted it. I definitely thought that it was him just being like, oh, my family is so boring. Like, all we do is talk about fucking pasta all the time and sauce. Yeah. And like, th th there's a whole world out there that we're not even talking, we're not even discussing. I Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's uh, I think it's a direct callback to the uh, hierarchy of need, which is that like he <laughs> God. he sees oh. he sees the food as like lower on the hierarchy of need pyramid and thus uh, the, his other cool life which he's even more into because he's doing cocaine, which also gives you like even more delusions of grandeur. So it's yeah. like, so it's like, uh, you know, the, the illusion that you're important is a big part of all these Hollywood people's lives. And then you multiply sure. that by cocaine. And then, and then now Christopher has to get kicked down on the hierarchy of need. And he's back to food again with these, with these fucking Philistines that he thinks that, he's above now. That I think that's exactly that's right. And yeah, by the way, smart, yeah, the hierarchy of seven human needs that Amy starts talking about is one of the most fucking like that. It's it very much is like an insight into what Hollywood has always been, but has also become even more so now with like crystals and like, you know, knowing, you know, which which rising moon, you know, your birth sign is under. It's just mm -hmm. like and to me, it's like. Uh, the hierarchy of seven human needs is definitely Nietzsche for Hollywood people. <laughs> you know, people who think <laughs> yeah. they're, they're too smart for like uh, old, uh, you know, philosophers and whatnot. And they're like, no, no, no. Oh, we yeah. made up our own new agey shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look what we got going on. <laughs> Look what we got. We got fucking hierarchies and shit. I mean, it yeah. is Hollywood. They love a good hierarchy. This is why I know that uh, the third act doesn't start until page 90. That's another thing. God, Amy's character is so fucking brilliant. It's like like the fact that she's like, you know, the problem is in your second act. And then the reason that she knows that is because of the page number, because of the page number. He's like, no, you haven't reached your third act because that happens in page 90. Like, Mwah, that is so funny. Just mm, beautiful. Just bellissimo. This shit is so funny. And just your, your inciting incident happened on page 15. It's supposed to happen on page three. Just like shit that she read from a book that she and the yeah. fact that this woman is like john's reader is just yeah. like it's so perfect and so perfectly describes like the type of person who has power over any creative people in hollywood yeah. it's it's very funny and it's also sad because this is the world we live in oh yeah it's funny because i feel like watching this episode when it would have originally aired like 20 years ago would have been like they're weird but that looks fun and now as like <laughs> watching yeah. it in 2020 i'm like i've made a horrible mistake Everyone's yeah <laughs> a fucking jackal <laughs> i've made a terrible terrible life decision getting into this business yeah that yeah. is true the context around seeing it back when it aired you know when we were younger we're not you know we're maybe more mm -hmm. hopeful we're not in this business there's shit that I'm not even picking up. But now, yeah. as an adult living in Hollywood and in the entertainment industry, I'm like, God damn, this is just... You really grow to appreciate how good this character is and like yeah. just how much they nail Hollywood people. Yeah, it is, And it's sure. very sad that we chose this life, Brandy. <laughs>
I know. I uh, regret it more and more every day because the industry doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) It shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say that I did uh, read a um, great New York, no, a great LA Times article uh, with you in it. Oh, Jesus, yeah. (laughs) I saw that out of nowhere. uh, I was, uh, someone was like, somehow I got into a K-hole where I actually read the fucking LA Times. (laughs) I'm and so sorry. Uh, yeah, I know, which is like already weird to begin with. But then I saw you and I was like, Randy Posey in LA Times. So that was cool. Well, it was funny because it's all about how uh, COVID-19 is killing stand up. And yes, uh, the, yes, yes. when the when the photographer called me because they were like, hey, we want to get photos for the for the article. We want to come over and maybe shoot you in front of the Laugh Factory. And I go, oh, no, 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 no. The Laugh Factory doesn't book me and they're horrible to women. We're not. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, can we shoot? uh where do you want to shoot? And I initially had said like this um, venue that I run shows in front of, like the Virgil, but then it's closed. So like they didn't want it because they wanted to shoot some inside stuff. Right. Uh, like me on a stage with nobody around. And then we right. just ended up shooting, shooting in my house instead. So I was like, well, okay. Yeah. I but mean, those are, felt, those are, yeah. those are great shots. Those are really, really Feels, good shots. Yeah. It felt good to be like, I'm not giving the Laugh Factory any publicity they don't need. <laughs> yeah. And it's also like low key annoying that like you ha- having to explain to someone that like, Yes, I know I'm a comedian, but that doesn't yeah. mean that I'm passed at these clubs. Is like, yes. it's already a conversation that I have with my parents all the time. <laughs> I don't need to have it with a random stranger. You exactly. Know? I don't need to explain to you the politics of stand-up. Uh, exactly. I, I just because I barely ever want to think about them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't. I don't need to explain my life choices to you. The point is, I am booked at places yeah. that are mostly not comedy clubs. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Take your pictures and shut the fuck up. <laughs> but very talented it's, photographer those are great great yeah. photos i thought they were fire fun they turned they, out great <laughs> they are fire matt you want to um, put this no, one to bed yeah i think it's time to put it to bed yeah. i mean this is uh you know season two episode seven d girl uh is just fantastic uh just i would say that this is you know we're in this is the second season episode seven this is my favorite episode so far absolutely Damn. yeah yeah it's That's just awesome. solid. funny, great. What 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 does D girl mean? I think I missed that at some point. It's okay. like a low level person in Hollywood. Yeah, it's uh, oh like D list. Yeah, I it's either D list or development. I think it's for like oh, it's like okay. d- d- it's for it's for people who are in like. Girl. Yeah, yeah, it's for like the de- people who are in development, and you know, in general, development people can be you know anyone yeah. from an intern to someone important, but usually. It's like decision makers are are not in development. They're they're executives. The fact that she responds to D girl so so like like excuse me excuse me I am a vice president like that is and that's also totally. another good inside joke because vice president is also means. another. There's so many made up t- uh, titles in Hollywood. <laughs> like, exactly, none of that shit means anything. <laughs> my favorite, I think my favorite line ever from uh, a movie about Hollywood was in the movie State in Maine, where someone mm-hmm. says, asks, what's an associate producer? And then the person says, uh, oh, it's what you give your assistant instead of a raise. Bada bing! Anyways, fantastic episode. Loved it so much. And you know what else was a fantastic episode? This episode of Pot Yourself Aww. a Gun. Brandy, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. 
Yeah, uh, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at Brandazzle. Um, BrandyPosey.com has my album available, Opinion Cave. Um, if for phys a physical copy, I have these cool cassettes that have like a digital copy inside. Um, or you can obviously stream it anywhere you want. Um, if you want to stream it and then put it on mute and keep streaming it, I would love that too. Yeah, do that. Every fraction of a penny helps right now. Hell um, yeah. And then I have a podcast called Lady to Lady. That's myself, Barbara Gray, and Tess Barker. And we kind of just like riff and have uh, guests on. And it's just a very silly, good, cathartic time in these in these times. In these dark, um, dark times. Yeah. And uh, someday I'll have shows to plug again. I know. It's a weird time to <laughs> podcast because no, no one could plug shows anymore. I know. But I'm like, thank God I have a podcast. At least that's something that I can direct people towards. Yeah, yeah. Where can we find you? At home, cowering in a corner, waiting for yeah. the plague to pass. <laughs> just sitting with the lights off, watching as the the sun outside slowly goes down, and I descend into the dark. The darkness on the outside matches the darkness on the inside. <laughs> that's what I've been doing every day. It's called Saturday now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Every day is Saturday. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Email us any uh, questions, comments, concerns at frotcast at gmail.com. That's F R O T cast at gmail.com. Uh, uh, Vince, what's the Google Voice number? 415 All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, don't stop believing. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.